Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. I do have a number of verses today, and I want to move quickly in this place. But I believe, I believe that God wants to fill somebody with the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. Today. Amen. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And again, we're going to move rather quickly. Uh, But Luke writes and says this, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day that he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You do not have to ever doubt the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That tomb is empty, and the proofs are infallible. We serve a risen king. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Amen. Say, baptized with the Holy Ghost. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They got a little bit off topic for a moment there, but Jesus helped them to get back in line by telling them in verse 7, it is none of your business. But ye shall receive power, everybody say power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I want to teach this morning the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Would you set your Bible aside? Would you lift your hands in the air and one more time lift your voice and ask God to move in this place? Jesus, there's no one like you. There's none beside you. There's none before you. I ask you to move in this house today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 My purpose today is twofold. Number one, there are those that have never heard about the Holy Ghost and they are curious but don't fully understand or even partially understand what we're talking about. And uh, bless, uh, God bless them. They've been in, in the presence of God and not fully understanding what's going on. And so I want to inform them today what the Bible has to say about the Holy Ghost. My second purpose is this. Every man, woman, and child under the sound of my voice that has been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name ought to be able to teach their friends, their co-workers, their neighbors, their cousins, uncles, brothers, sisters, nephews, roommate, whoever it is about the Holy Ghost. Amen. You need to be able to teach this. You need to be able to teach this. Uh, And so many of you have heard this before, but you're going to hear it again uh, because my goal is uh, every portion of Scripture that I utilize today, I want you to know frontwards and backwards. 
uh, have mostly memorized, be able to take somebody to it in the scriptures and show them line by line the doctrine of the Holy Ghost. All right, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost, so Jesus in Acts chapter 1 was telling them, you need to go back to Jerusalem, you need to tarry until the promise comes. Everybody say promise. The Holy Ghost was a promise from heaven for us today. And so they did. They went back to an upper room. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And so for about seven to ten days, they hung out in an upper room praying and fasting and being in unity together. And suddenly, verse 2, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I believe it is the desire of heaven today that everybody in this room be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you want it, it's available for you today. They tarried for the outpouring. We no longer have to tarry. The Holy Ghost has been poured out and it is available to anybody that will repent of their sins and ask God to give them the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that they began to spill out of that upper room because you cannot contain the Holy Ghost to a little box or a little space. As the Spirit of Jesus Christ begins to move on the inside of you, you will begin to speak in a heavenly language just like they did on the day of Pentecost as the Spirit gives the utterance. I cannot teach you to speak in tongues. Anybody that claims to be able to teach you how to speak in tongues, you need to remove yourself from them, get away from them. But when the Spirit moves into your heart from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, uh, a spring of living water is going to begin to usher forth out of you and you will begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of Jesus Christ flows from you. And so they spill out into the streets and some of the gathered crowd are confused because they are demonstrating some wild behavior. Perhaps you've seen some wild behavior in this house today. I encourage you, I, I remind you, and I, 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 you, you can relax. Everything that has occurred in this house today, we can find witness for and example for in Scripture. The Bible commands us to lift our voice. It commands us to dance before the Lord with all of our might. But there's a gathered crowd, and they are concerned that these people are drunk. They're wild. They're crazy. Man, something is going on. It was not a calm Experience. Now, I'm not saying everybody's spirit baptism is going to be like them swinging from the chandeliers. In fact, I've seen people come up out of the water and in a very calm manner begin to speak forth. Uh, but when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, it's like fire shut up inside of your bones. It's something inside that just has to come out. 
And so Peter stands up with the eleven on the day of Pentecost and begins to preach that this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Young men are going to see visions. Old men are going to dream, dream dreams. I'm thankful to be a part where, of a church where there are young people dancing all around the altar. Uh, and there are elderly people dancing over here. And every so often we see an elder just kick off some of those uh, Dr. Scholl's footbed shoes and take a lap around the church under the influence of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful to be a part of a church where young men dream or see visions and old men dream dreams. Hear me today, elders. It's still all right for you to dream dreams in the Holy Ghost. If God gave you a word a decade ago, two decades ago, or three decades ago, uh, he's going to bring it to pass. And so Peter preaches to them, and in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, the Bible says they heard this, and conviction gripped them. They were pricked in their heart, and they come unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles and say, men and brethren, what do we need to do? And Peter stands up and simply declares with 11 men of God behind him, he declares what Jesus taught and what the prophets had spoken for hundreds of years. And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, everybody say promise, is to you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This is both generational and distance. It's not just supposed to be in Jerusalem. It's supposed to be in Watertown, South Dakota. It's not just supposed to be in 33 AD. It's supposed to be in 2023 here in Watertown, South Dakota. It is a promise from God. For anybody that wants it, God will fill them with his spirit. Amen. This is just a compilation of what Jesus has taught. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, in the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, or near the beginning of his earthly ministry, a man named Nicodemus comes to him by night and begins to uh, flatter Jesus, begins to speak to him and says, Lord, we, we know, Rabbi, that you're a prophet. We know that you're a man of God. Nobody can do what you're doing except God be with them. And Jesus simply answers him and says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus is a little bit confused by this, and so he says, Whoa, 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 whoa. How can a man be born again? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And all the ladies say, thank you, Jesus. That's not what he was talking about. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about being born again. You see, each and I were you and I were born one time, and from our parents we inherited that sinful nature from our great-great-grandfather Adam and our great-great-grandmother Eve. And we were born into sin. We were shaped in iniquity. But when Jesus stepped onto the scene, it became possible for you and I to be born again. That's why I never argue with some 
somebody that wants to excuse sin and say, well, I was born this way. Yeah, you were. You were born in sin. Environment sharpened it. It deepened it. It worsened it. But I've got good news for you today. Because no matter the state you were born in, today you can be born again. And you can be born of seed incorruptible. And every sin, every wrong thing can be washed off of your life. You might have been born in poverty, but today you can be born again from a heavenly father that has true riches. You might have been born with unnatural affection and attraction, but you can be born again today and walk in righteousness and in truth. So Nicodemus says, wait, how do I what, be born again? And so Jesus clarifies in John chapter 3 and verse 5. And this is a verse that you ought to have memorized. It ought to be so close to the tip of your tongue that you know it backwards and forwards. He said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There's a lot of talk in our world today about accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I don't begrudge. I don't belittle anybody. Every one of us does need to come to a place where we accept him as the Lord of our lives. But look at this statement from the lips of Jesus Christ. Accept unless, in, in exclusion of, if you do not do this, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to be born of water. That is water baptism. That is not your earthly birth. You have to be born of water, and you have to be born of the Spirit. Verse 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Hey, you don't have to be surprised. You don't have to be confused. You have to be born again. And look at verse 8, what he says in verse 8. He says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. That word wind is the word pneuma. It's the same word that's frequently translated as spirit. So Jesus is not becoming a meteorologist at this point in time. He's using the natural to describe what is going to go on in the supernatural. When the spirit moves, you can hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. Just like when the wind begins to blow outside, there's a visible representation of what's going on. The leaves in the trees begin to, to rustle. Or like the other morning, the garbage bins begin to go down the street at our, at our street. I mean, I walked out with a dog, and there were like four garbage bins in the middle of the street. I didn't know whose was whose, so I picked the cleanest one. I put it next to my house and I left the rest. But when the spirit, that was a joke, when the spirit begins to move, you're going to see it, you're going to hear it. You won't know where it's coming from, you know, won't know where it goes. But Jesus uttered this phrase So is everyone that is born of the spirit. He's letting us know that there is one unique, continual, never-ending sign for every single person that has ever been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost from the day of Pentecost until 2023. So is everyone that has been born of the spirit. In Mark chapter 16, 
Jesus says these words as he's wrapping up his ministry. He's about to ascend into heaven. He tells them in verse 15 of Mark 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus makes some pretty exclusionary statements about salvation. He's pretty intense. Except you be born of water and spirit, you're not entering the kingdom of heaven. It's his kingdom. He gets to decide who comes in. He sets the criteria. I do not set the criteria. He does. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Again, I reiterate, if you come to the house of God sick, you're not bothering me. I will gladly lay hands on you and proclaim the word of God over you, believing that God will heal the sick. The prophets also spoke of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11, the prophet writes and says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. There's an immediate context of this portion of Scripture. Yes, he's dealing with the looming threat of Assyria, and many modern translations want to limit it to that. But Paul, when he's dealing with tongues in the church in Corinth, reaches all the way back to this prophecy from Isaiah and he takes this stammering lip and another tongue and he brings it all the way into the context of the New Testament church and solidifies for us. It's not me interpreting prophecy. It's Paul saying, look, stammering lips and another tongue. This is the rest. This is the refreshing that was intended for us. If you've ever wondered why we don't keep the Sabbath day as New Testament believers, it's because we have something far greater than just a day. We have the rest of Jesus Christ living inside of us, and we can tap into true rest at any point in time by stepping into the flow of the Holy Ghost. Jeremiah was, or Isaiah was not the only prophet to talk about it. Jeremiah did as well. In Jeremiah 31 and 33, he says this, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward hearts and write it in their hearts, in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and will be their God and they shall be my people. Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36 in verse 25 says this, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Can I tell somebody today that the Holy Ghost is more than just a cool feeling at the altar on Sunday, but it is in fact the real spirit of Jesus Christ being written upon the table of our hearts and it's going to give us rest. It is going to help us to walk in his statutes. It is going to help us to keep his judgments and to walk in righteousness with him. 
Amen. So that's what Jesus, that's what the prophets had to say about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've read already from Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit, but it is not the only time that we see the Holy Ghost poured out in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8, as persecution has scattered the church to the wind, they go everywhere preaching the gospel. And Philip finds himself in the city of Samaria. And even though that Jews didn't really have a whole lot of dealings with Samaritans, he decides, you know what, they're half Jewish, this is a good enough place to preach. And so he starts declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't ever withhold the gospel of Jesus Christ just because you're a little bit different from the intended recipient. You let that thing flow. You let Jesus come out of your mouth. And so the Bible says in verse 12, they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both men and women. Then there was this guy named Simon, a sorcerer. He believed as well, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. He attached himself to the man of God, and he wondered, beholding the signs and the miracles which were done. Great miracles and signs have been occurring at this new church in Samaria. Now the apostles at Jerusalem get word that Samaria has received the word of God and so they release Peter and John, two of the original 12 apostles, to come down to Samaria. And look, when they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There is a lot of prayer Christianity today, mainstream or denominal Christianity that proclaims that there is just a conferring of the Spirit at the moment of belief or at the moment of baptism. But we see very clearly from our original account in the book of Acts uh, that they had already believed. They'd already been baptized in Jesus' name. They had already seen the miraculous signs and wonders and miracles were being done. But the apostles show up on the scene and they take a look around and discernment operates inside of them and they realize, wait, nobody's received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so they realize this is what Jesus said we must have. And let me encourage somebody. It's far better than any physical miracle you could ever experience. I believe that Jesus wants to heal your physical body. But the greatest miracle of all is that a God can take his blood and clean the stain of sin off your soul and deposit his spirit to live inside of you. Why would we ever sell anybody short and not tell them, about the beautiful gift, the promise of the Holy Ghost. Uh, it is for every man, every woman, every child in South Dakota. So they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, the first Gentile to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I, to the best of my knowledge, everybody in this house is a Gentile. And so we ought to be thankful for a guy like Cornelius. The Bible describes him as a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And an angel appears to the man. I have never seen a physical angel. I don't think. There was this one time. It, it, never mind. I'll take that back. It may have been an angel. I'll tell you about it later. 
An angel appears to this, what we would describe as a good man. I want God to describe me as a devout man that fears God with all of his house. What amazing description from heaven. But an angel appears to him and says, look, you need to send for Peter. He's over in Joppa and he's going to come and he's going to tell you what you need to do. In all of his devotion to God, there was still something that that Cornelius needed to do. And so they call for Peter. Peter comes with six. He begins to preach. And he does not preach very long. It does not take long. Because God was so anxious to pour out the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the Gentiles that the moment Peter shows up and begins to preach the word of God, God just falls. He interrupted the sermon. He interrupted the moment. And he just descended in that house. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision or the Jews that heard, they're astonished because that they are hearing the Gentiles begin or the, the gift of the Holy Ghost is poured out on the Gentiles. Verse 46, it's it says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. There, there it is again, that wind that blows where it wants to. You can hear the sound of it. You don't know where it's coming or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. If Peter would have just remembered what Jesus had said all these years ago, he would have not been surprised when the Gentiles began to speak in other tongues. It was the same sign for the Jews, for the Samaritans, for the Gentiles. Why? Because it's the same sign in AD 33 and 2023. It is the same sign. It is when you begin to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, you'll begin to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit gives the utterance. Now, Peter boldly commands them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. One more portion of scripture from the book of Acts. It says this, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I almost dare you to try this. Almost. You better know who you're talking to. Walk up to a professing Christian, maybe the next person with a cross around their neck or something like that. And ask them, have, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Now, if you're disrespectful and you're a jerk and they slap you, that's on you, not on them, okay? Just... But he walks up to this devout group of men and he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? His first question to them, this is not a week after the day of Pentecost. This is decades after the day of Pentecost. Decades. What does that tell us? It tells us it's the normative practice of the early church that everybody has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Believers that are walking in righteousness, it is the expected thing. It's what everybody has experienced. And so Paul comes to him and says, look, have you received the, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they said, we, we haven't even heard that there be any Holy Ghost. And so because they've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Paul, Paul has another question. He says, well, then how were you baptized? Unto what were you baptized? Unto John's baptism. Let's pause for a moment and consider the fact that we are several decades removed from the time when John the Baptist's head was removed from his shoulders. And we're like several weeks journey away from where John the Baptist lived. Here are believers 
that only know what John the Baptist taught, and they've been living it faithfully for decades in a city that is surrounded and swamped with idolatry. There are faithful men and women of God that are living all around you in every community, every place, everywhere. All they need is for somebody in love and with meekness to come to them with the promise that God has promised to pour out and simply let them know it's available for them. You can receive the promise that God has offered. You cannot belittle anybody for their lack of receiving the Spirit. They did not even know it was a possibility. You can never, never begrudge somebody uh, for their, their lack of having it. Look, I celebrate with everyone uh, their place and their, their walk with God. Uh, the question is not, do I have to receive the Holy Ghost? The answer is yes, but that's the wrong question. The question is, how can I experience this? And it is the greatest thing that will ever happen in your life when Jesus moves into your heart and takes up residence in the tabernacle of your heart. It is not a have-to thing only. It is the greatest thing that has ever happened. Today, today is the day God wants to fill somebody with the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. This is not just a party trick or a cool feeling. It is Jesus coming to dwell in the tabernacle of your heart. You become the tabernacle of the living God. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. It's more than just talking in tongues. And by the way, we're not seeking talking in tongues. That's not what we're after here. That's just the sign that the Spirit baptism has occurred. What we're after is Jesus. What we're after is Jesus taking up residence. That's why you can't be taught how to speak in tongues. Look, I can teach you to babble and make it almost sound like tongues. The devil is able to imitate tongues. It's entirely possible. Odds are good you may have heard it. And maybe weren't aware of it. But... We're not seeking tongues alone. We're seeking Jesus inside of us. And when he comes, there's a river of life that is birthed out of your belly. That word belly actually could be translated as womb. It's birthed out of you. And it begins to flow out of you. And that river will bring life to everything that it touches. And there is a constant flow, a constant spring of the Spirit flowing out of you. Jesus also said this in John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. There's two things in this, in this verse that, the, that Scripture lets us know that the Holy Ghost is. He is our comforter. He is our advocate. He's the one that fights on our behalf. He will bring peace to us, and he will also guide us into all truth. Again, it's more than just a talking in tongues experience on a, on a Sunday afternoon. It's the Spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of you to teach you on a Monday morning or on a Tuesday afternoon or on a Wednesday. You see, it's not just a one-time experience. I 
believe every spirit-filled believer should be able or should experience or should talk in tongues every single day of their lives. It's not something that you want to hold back. It's a river of living water that can gush forward out of your life. That's a spring that ought to be flowing violently at all times. Every day, refreshing and comforting and teaching is available to you and to I. Paul would write in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, but the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, that is being in right standing with God, living right with God. It is peace. Anybody want some peace in this world that we live in today? You can look at the news and you can get all, get a bee up in your bonnet and be as hyper as a cat on a, on a hot tin roof. There you go. I've always wanted to say that. You could be all crazy about the news and the events and the happenings of today. Or you can step into the spirit and receive the peace that only Jesus can bring on the inside. And he goes one step further than that. It is joy. How? In the Holy Ghost. You see, Jesus intends every believer to walk in righteousness, to possess peace, and to have joy in their life. The answer for the spirit of depression and anxiety is not just medication. It's not just a change in your earthly circumstance. And you may need to change your earthly circumstance. But the true answer for a mind that is under attack from the enemy is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and a daily, daily, daily refreshing of the spirit in your life. Why? Because it is peace and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. So no matter what you're going through. Uh, I celebrate with you if you received the Holy Ghost a year ago, a month ago, five years ago, a decade ago. Uh, but if it's been a while since you were refreshed in the Holy Ghost, uh, that might be why there's anxiety. That might be why there's fear in your life. Uh, but today, uh, in just a moment, you're going to be able to come up to the altar, uh, lift your hands in the air, uh, and receive a renewing uh, in the Spirit of God uh, because Jesus desires every one of us to have righteousness Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Two more portions of Scripture and we're done. Everybody doing okay? All right. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I, I don't want to make the mistake of creating it as an event only or a one-time thing on a Sunday. Yes, it will be a day that you never forget when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I still remember. I still remember. I was a, I was a young boy. I was kneeling at the altar, and I was picking at the, the varnished wood on the, the front right corner of the altar, and something finally got serious inside of my heart, and God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Jamestown, North Dakota back in 1997. I'm thankful for all that God has done in my life. But it's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. And so if, if you will walk in the Spirit, that's the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Let me read that verse for you in the Amplified Version. It says this, but I say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. To walk in the Spirit, it defines it as this, responsive to and controlled by and guided by the Spirit. 
That's Jesus' desire for every single one of us, to be responsive to him, to be controlled by him, and to be guided by him in our daily work. That's what he desires to do in your life. Again, it's far more than just talking in tongues. Uh, that's the sign. That's the demonstration that it has 100% for sure happened, uh, and you never have to doubt it again, but it's so much more than that. It's life. Uh, it's righteousness. It's peace. It's joy. Uh, it is guiding. It is teaching. It is removing sin out of us and giving us the power to overcome Sin in our flesh. Verse 17 says this, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these two things are contrary, the one to the other. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, something is deposited inside of you that seeks to totally transform and to change your life. And they are at war within each other. That's why it's common when somebody receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time, it seems like all of hell breaks out in their world. That's because all of hell that was living inside of you is now trying to war against the spirit of Jesus Christ that is inside of you. And the spirit is stronger than hell that wants to control you if you'll walk with him. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. The works of the flesh are manifest or visible or known or seen. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is like filthy and unrestrained behavior. It's giving yourself over to whatever you desire to do. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, or quarreling, emulations. Emulations is jealousy or malice or uh, one, one uh, source that I was looking at described it as like the zeal of a jealous husband, all right? Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before and I told you also in time past that they which do such things should not inherit the kingdom of God. Anytime you read a phrase like that in your Bible, it ought to perk your ears up. Wait, 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 hold on. I want to inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, unless I'm born of water and spirit, I'm not going to see the kingdom of God. Okay, I'm going to do that. I want to obey that. I want to experience that. But wait, 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 wait. If I get engaged in drunkenness and revelings, I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? See, the war that is with inside will be won when you yield yourself to the Spirit and you allow the Spirit of Jesus Christ to do the work inside of your life. Uh, you and Jesus will work together and you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's not just the power to cast out devils. That's not just the power to jump super high when the worship team is really on it. That's the power to overcome your sinful nature in your life uh, and you you can walk in the Spirit with Jesus. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Jesus wants to produce these things down inside of your life by His Spirit living in you. All right. I hurry to a close here. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life 
and peace. This is why every single one of us must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And not just as a one-time thing, but it ought to be a river living inside of our life. And it is going to take the carnal mind out of us. And it is going to remodel and remake our mind. It is going to renew our mind by the Spirit. There is no addiction that is stronger than the Spirit of Jesus Christ. There is no sin that is greater than the power of the Holy Ghost. There is no earthly, carnal power that is greater than the power of Jesus Christ. And when you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, you received the power from God to overcome sin in your life. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. You cannot, you cannot force your earthly mind to submit to the law of God. It's not possible. You can bring your flesh to varying levels of obedience, to tradition, and to ritual, but you cannot form the mind of the Spirit inside of yourself. Only the baptism of the Holy Ghost can do that for you. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Again, that's one of those pretty intense verses that should cause us to sit up and take notice. Okay, if I don't have the Spirit of Christ... I'm not his. That means I, I want the spirit of Christ. I want to be his. I want to be owned by him. I want to be led by him. I want to be guided by him. But it goes on and it says this, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Do you understand what that just said? That said that the same spirit that raised the dead body of Jesus Christ out of the grave on the third day, and remember with infallible proof there's an empty tomb. It's that same spirit that's going to awaken us if we die before the Lord comes back. Uh, that same spirit is going to quicken our mortal bodies. Uh, or if we're here on this earth alive uh, in this 11th hour church when that trumpet sounds, uh, you're not going to be here trying to jump as high as you can hoping uh, that you can somehow catch on to a chariot of fire. No. Uh, it's the spirit of God uh, living and working inside of you that is going to make your mortal body alive. Uh, and is going to translate you from this world into another world. That's what the Spirit will do for us. It'll bring us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It'll bring life. It'll bring rest. And the day's going to come where it's going to take me out of this world of sin and bring me into the kingdom of Jesus Christ to be forever with Him. That's what the Spirit of God provides you and I. Now watch verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors to the flesh, not, or not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Another translation says it this way. You have no obligation to give in to your sinful desires. When you have the Holy Ghost, 
You are free from the power of sin. So if sin is in your life, it is because we have chosen to sin. You are free from the bondage of sin. You still have the power to sin. So remaining sin in our life simply indicates that there's an area of our life that we need to yield to the working of his spirit and allow him to guide us, lead us, uh, transform us on the inside uh, and begin to pull those things out of us. Uh, He's going to ask some things of us. He might ask you to throw some things away. He might ask you to flush some things. He might ask you to sever some relationships, but the Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. We are not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. When the Holy Ghost steps into your life uh, and you are transformed, uh, you are not the same that you were before. You have been miraculously set free by the power of God. If you live after the flesh, you will die, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. And you ready for this? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of adoption again or of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's the last thing I want to talk about that the Spirit does for us. It gives us witness it gives us assurance i'm the child of god i'm no longer i i may sin but that doesn't remove me from being his child the spirit inside me will convict me it will guide me to repent of it and it will empower me to overcome it and i remain the adopted son of god and i remain an heir of god and a joint heir with christ himself i'm thankful for the spirit of god living inside of me that causes me to have this blessed hope as we stand together in this place Romans chapter 8 goes on and it says this in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Ha. Huh. Can I tell you the Holy Ghost is so powerful that you don't even have to have all the words in your human wisdom. But you can cast yourself on the loving arms of your Savior. And that river of the living water that's inside of your belly will begin to flow. And sometimes there's going to be groanings that cannot be uttered. But you can trust that the Spirit is searching the mind of God. And it's, it's bringing those prayers forth in a way that you cannot do in English. It's the power of the Holy Ghost flowing through you. And finally this in Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. But you, beloved... Building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Amen. See, this this gift of the Holy Ghost, this promise from our Father is the most incredible, incredible thing. I'm thankful for my wedding day. I'm thankful for the birth of all of my children. 
I'm thankful for the day that I graduated college and realized I'd never have to go back to school again, even though I woke up in cold sweats every so often at 5 in the morning thinking I had an overdue term paper. That went on for like six months, man. I had like trauma or something. But nothing has ever compared to knowing that the Savior of the universe lives inside of me. Flawed, frail, broken humanity has Jesus on the inside. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, He wants to fill you today with His Spirit. In fact, I want everybody to look at your neighbor and I want you to ask them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? If they said no, or they said, I'm not sure, ask them if they want it today. Now, here's what I, I, I feel to do in this place right now. As we all gather into the front of the church, I know I taught a little long but Jesus desires to move in this place today maybe it's been a minute since you spoke in tongues and were refreshed in the Holy Ghost I want to encourage you that it doesn't have to be any longer than right now maybe there's a situation in your life that you're not even sure what's going to end up how it's going to work or what's going to happen I can encourage you in this moment, as you begin to pray and you yield yourself to the working of the Spirit, His power will begin to flow through you. And you may not know what you're saying as you pray in tongues, but the Spirit does. And if somebody is next to you that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time, you don't need me to come pray for you. You pray for them. And you bring them to that place where they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost right here today.